Hi church family, Pastor Paul has asked me to preach on the topic Faith for the Supernatural as part of the God Loves the Church series. Faith for the Supernatural. Tonight's text comes from Matthew chapter 17 verses 14 to 21. When they came to the crowd, Jesus and James, John and Peter, they've been on the Mount of Transfiguration. A man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. You unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon, came out of the boy, and he was healed at that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, Why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, Because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it'll move. Nothing will be impossible for you. And later manuscripts say, he replied, this kind can come out only by prayer and fasting. Faith for the supernatural. So where in this passage do we see the supernatural? In verse 18, Jesus rebukes an invisible force that's occupied this boy. This boy who has seizures, convulsions, and this force is trying to kill him. We read in Mark 9 and Luke 9 that not only is he mute, but he often throws himself into the fire and into the water. But this supernatural event takes place where this demon leaves the boy at the rebuke of Jesus. And he's healed from the moment that the demon leaves. That's a supernatural event which Acts chapter 10 interprets for us. Now these verses I'm showing you, connect groups, you might want to write them down. I won't be able to have the time to read all of the verses. But you should jot these down to read as a group and discuss. That's my suggestion. So Acts 10, 37, 38. Note verse 38 here. It says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus the man, was anointed by God, by God's Spirit. This event where he rebukes a demon, he is not operating as Jesus the Son of God, but as Jesus of Nazareth. Anointed by the Spirit, it's the Spirit's power. The supernatural event is tied to the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what doing good looks like in God's terms. It's affecting power over his enemy, the devil. Luke 11:20, Jesus said, If I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. The supernatural event was a manifestation of God's kingdom. God's kingdom, God's rule, God's authority, God's will 
was made known in that moment by the power of God. The kingdom of God is the power of God. It manifests where the kingdom of the devil operates. When the power of God comes, the power of God affects the kingdom of the devil, the kingdom of the world. It comes to eject the force of the devil. In John 10.10, we learn that the devil is a thief and a robber and a killer. He's what's behind the torment of man. But Jesus has come to reverse that, to give people life and life to the full. In 1 John 3.8, we learn that the reason the Son of God has come was to destroy the devil's work. The very reason the Messiah came announcing the kingdom of God was to bring life to man by destroying the devil's hold and the devil's work. Now in this passage, the disciples were the ones that were meant to have affected this supernatural event. In verse 16, the father says, I brought him to the disciples, but they could not heal him. Now, our topic is faith for the supernatural. We see faith addressed in this passage as well. In fact, we see the opposite of faith being mentioned. Jesus was most upset that the disciples were unable to evict that demon power. Remember, that's the reason he's come, is to evict demon power. And he's training these disciples to carry on after him. He says, you unbelieving and perverse generation, corrupt generation, uh, off-the-track people, people who have missed what God's about. When the disciples asked him in verse 18, why couldn't we drive it out? He said, you have a faith problem. You should be able to just move a mountain if you believe. Now, the disciples had had some success in casting out devils on some many mission trips they were sent on. The 12 were sent out after Matthew 10, verse 1. Jesus called them together, gave them authority to drive out demons and to heal all or every disease and sickness. Uh, they enjoyed great success, as did when, God's, uh, when Jesus sent out the 72. In Luke 10, they came back. Uh, verse 17, they returned with joy, saying, Lord, the demons are subject to us. And Jesus surprisingly plays that down a little. He says, yes, I've seen Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. I've given you power to overcome all of the enemy. Nothing's going to hurt you. But he said, don't rejoice in that. Rejoice your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. The power to tread on Satan was just par for the course. That's the work of the kingdom. The real joy, he says, is that we've got relationship forever. Jesus said at that time, just thinking how he said to the father, he said, Lord, I'm so glad you've shown to these infants this power. And uh, I'm, I'm mindful of Psalm 8 that says, out of the mouths of infants, God has ordained praise to silence the avenger, 
to silence the enemy. At this time, we have many enemies, don't we? And we value that Christ has come to destroy our enemies. And I'll talk more about that shortly. But in Psalm 149, it also says it's every one of the saints' privilege to bind the enemies of God with fetters of iron. This power over the enemy is what Christ has come to give us. So they've, they've had a faith problem. Jesus has been talking to them much about faith along the way. Mark 11, he said to them, have faith in God, and then repeats this same thing that says, truly, if I, I tell you, if anyone says to a mountain to go, it will go, if they do not doubt in their heart. Verse 23 of Mark 11. Doubt is the big enemy of faith. It's incongruent. It's incompatible. You cannot lack assurance in the things that you're operating in the confidence of. If you actually don't have that confidence, if you don't have that assurance, if doubt comes in, as we see in um, Peter's walking on the water narrative in Matthew 14, when he saw the wind, so he was walking on the water, he'd heard the word of God, he confidently gets out of the boat and beginning to sink, cries out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reaches out his hand, catches him and says, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? While he, while he walked in faith, he walked in supernatural power. He was connected to the power by faith. But doubt broke the connection like breaking an electrical current flowing from heaven to earth. Doubt will cut the power of God. Hebrews 11 says faith is confidence. Faith is assurance in what we hope for. Now, it was really important to the Apostle Paul also to get across to the new Gentile churches this faith, this supernatural power that builds faith and perpetuates supernatural power. It's a cycle, if you like. He resolved to know nothing while he was with the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 2, except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. There was a lot of enemies to his, to his ministry, but possibly also he came with great trembling that people's faith would be established only in the cross. And only in the power of the cross, where, the, where Satan was defeated, where sin was atoned for, where the principalities were humiliated. Verse 4, my message, my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. It's really, it was important to Jesus, it was important to Paul, it's so important that we manifest the reason Jesus came. The reason for the kingdom of God is to exert the influence of God against the powers of the devil. The manifestations of God's power were healing, deliverance, raising from the dead, minds coming back straight, um, 
all sorts of torment of soul, griefs and sorrows, oppressions and depressions were healed by the manifestation of God's power because there was faith in the cross. What Paul says here is, if there isn't a manifestation of God's power, people's faith will not be strong. And strong faith is what will lead to more manifestations of God's power and more life for people and more victory over Satan. He went on in Ephesians chapter 1 to say that he desired that the eyes of the Ephesians' heart would be enlightened to see this incomparably great power that works in us who believe. The power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. Great power was released when our Saviour went to the cross. Our Saviour was despised, humiliated and poured out as an atonement for our sin, as the bearing of our griefs and our, our, our sicknesses. He was totally misunderstood and rejected. He was used by man. He was thought stricken of God. But the power of the eternal Son of God poured out for us was taken up again and now able to be poured out on us since the atonement's been achieved. That power raised Christ from the dead, verse 20, seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms far above all of these principalities and powers that rule in the dark world. Above every name that's invoked, not only in this present age, but the one to come, and placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Jesus is far above in the spirit world. The spirit world is a place. We can't see it. But we're in Christ. Colossians 3 says, We are raised far above all the principalities and powers. They are under our feet spiritually. We need spiritual eyes enlightened to understand that. And we need our eyes enlightened to believe that there's an incomparably great power released by the cross and the resurrection. There is great power. You can't compare to that power, Paul says. The power of creation and a trillion galaxies being Big Bang doesn't compare. The power of atomic blasts don't compare. There's nothing that can compare to the great power that was released. Now, it's really important for us to realise that this enemy of God, enemy of the kingdom of God, the enemy Jesus come to destroy is all pervasive. Ephesians 2 tells us that we all used to live when we followed the ways of the world and we were subject to this ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Everyone who is disobedient to Christ is not demon-possessed necessarily, but the spirit of the age works in them, influences them, afflicts them. It's all pervasive. The power of God is so needed to release people 
from the power of the devil and an incomparably great power if we believe it is available. Ephesians 6 tells us not only is the, uh, the world affected by Satan's power, but the church is wrestling in close combat with these forces. So let's apply this tonight. Remember at the end of Mark 17's passage I read, where Jesus said, the reason you couldn't cast it out is because you had a faith problem. And he said, but this kind uh, comes out by prayer and fasting. I believe that prayer and fasting was the secret to Jesus' faith. Obviously, he didn't pray then. He was ready. He was full of faith. He'd spent many hours with the Father. He'd just been on the Mount of Transfiguration where they discussed his exodus. He was full of the Spirit. He was full of the mind of God. The disciples, however, they'd come back from their mission trip tired. They'd gone on to the other side of the lake. The crowds had followed them. They'd fed the 5,000. They did get a furlough up at Caesarea Philippi for a little while. And Mark chapter 16 talks about that trip. But I wonder, that um, Jesus went away with James, Peter and John for four days. I wonder where their spiritual life had been for a little while. Remember, they'd had power and they'd been commissioned to have power. Um, perhaps they needed to be more prayerfully meditative. I've got some verses there for why prayer, regular prayer, meditating on God's word is so necessary for faith. Joshua was told, day and night, have this word on your lips. Jesus said in John chapter 6, if you want to work the works I do, you're going to have to work on it. You're going to have to work on your believing. Because it's, it's as you work with God, as you meditate on the scriptures. Last week, um, we had a focus on Psalm 91. You know, if you want to enter into the faith that the Lord is your refuge, the Lord is watching over you, that the Lord will protect you, you need to go over those verses in a meditative way. You need to speak them to yourself. You need to talk to God about them. You need to think about them a lot if it's going to drop in and become faith. There are so many competing things for our attention, isn't there? But if we're going to be people who connect to this incomparably great power, we have to be assured that those words are for us. We have to at least memorize a chunk of that psalm and go over it when we're driving and go over it before we go to bed and go over it when we get up. That's what the Jews did with the scriptures. How much more should we, wanting to be filled with the kingdom of God's power, be those who live in the word of God? In John 15, Jesus said, if my words live in you and you live in me, then you will ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. There's this prayerful dialogue with God, this meditative thing with God. There's an example in Matthew chapter 16 of where the disciples had a dialogue with their paraclete, with their teacher, 
Jesus said, I'm sending you another teacher to lead you into truth. We can have dialogue with him. Just like Peter had dialogue here in Matthew 16. I'll leave you to read that in your groups. But note that Peter has a revelation of Jesus in conversation with him by the Spirit. But he also gets a revelation of who he is from Jesus. Now, if there's one thing I see in Matthew chapter 17, is that Jesus expected the disciples to be empowered. He expected them to know that he'd called them and appointed them. It's in prayerful times with God that we will realise, as Peter did, that we've been made like Christ. Christ, the rock that followed Israel in the wilderness, renames Peter the rock in this passage. He's essentially saying, I'm making you like me and I'm going to build the church on it. 2 Corinthians 13 says, May the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And that is certainly my prayer um, for all of us, is that we will have rich times in the presence of the Holy Spirit, with him imparting faith to our hearts. Now, um, as I end tonight, I'd like to apply the verse... Behold, I give you power over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. I'd like to apply that to our current shaky time on the earth. I'd just like to say that that verse was one that I meditated in many years ago and I've used it. God has helped me on several occasions um, where that verse... Faith in that verse has brought the power of God into a specific situation. Uh, I've had a loved one on the floor having called the ambulance and I've been called from work. Came to them, they're still on the floor, the ambulance hasn't come. But that verse is the first one on my lips. Behold, I give you power over all the power of the enemy. Because the power of the enemy is behind everything that kills, steals, and destroys. Jesus said once when he was asked about casting out devils, and they accused him of casting out devils, he said, you know, when you want to plunder a, a house, if you want to burgle a house, you first of all have to deal with the house owner. You have to deal with the strong man. Then you can plunder his house. What was he saying? He was saying that if you want to evict a demon power, you want to bring healing to somebody, there's a spiritual force behind it you have to deal with. It doesn't mean the person is possessed. It just means there's a recognition that in the spirit world there is control by either the kingdom of God or the kingdom of darkness. And those forces are under our feet. Verse like this, Behold, I give you power over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you, is very powerful if you believe it. I had indigestion in the middle of the night in a foreign country once and oh, it was shocking for hours and then I remembered this verse. Oh, friends, the supernatural power came and I was instantly free. 
It works to connect to the power of God. And oh, how we need it in our connect groups, in our witnessing with our, um, with our world. I long for when I share the, um, the Lord with people, just tonight, sharing with an old boss um, who's got a problem in his hip. I'm going to pray tonight as we finish um, for him even. But I'm also going to pray for all of you that pray with me that we might invoke the authority of Jesus Christ over the prince that princes of darkness that are behind this coronavirus in our local neck of the woods. We've been given authority. The church needs to pray. We have the authority to bind the enemy and release the power of heaven. Shall we do that right now as we close? Heavenly Father, thank you for your verses here that seem quite strange to the Western mind in many ways. We like to control. We like to have run sheets. We like to have orderly things. And the power of God gets a bit messy. Demons cry out. People start getting excited when healings come. But, oh God, how our world needs us to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. And you've commanded us to be that way. We want to just do that right now in obedience to you, to stand in authority against this virus at this time. In our neck of the woods here, Lord Jesus, we pray with it under our feet, in the name of Jesus, having risen far above all principality, power and might, you humiliated them. In your name, we declare that the powers of darkness be bound that bring that virus over our area here in Brisbane, over our area here in Rochdale, over our families, over this church. We pray that this virus will not come near us, as Psalm 91 says, and under our feet we squash it. Under our feet tonight in Jesus' name, we declare it will not have any power with our people. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for it. I pray tonight that that's helped those of you who are aspiring to ministry, to goad you to press into the supernatural. Those of you who just want more power in prayer, I encourage you, meditate with God, become people of faith. In Jesus' name.